In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. This is a story about padding your expense account. And there is no getting around it. In the gospel for today, Jesus loves the cheater. You know this story. You hear it every three years. A guy gets called into the corner office. His boss says to him, Jimmy, you're not just incompetent. You're a thief. Turn in your stuff and get out. He goes, but before the security guards can get to him with the cardboard boxes, he cuts down the stairwell and starts to dial all of his clients. He has, a meet them, he has the meet him at the most expensive restaurant in town. Over the salad, he says, you know, this subprime mortgage thing has made a mess of all our business. How about you? And one by one, they commiserate. And then slowly and carefully, he says, you know, we're all still friends, and it would be best if we made it through together. So my boss will take 50 cents on the dollar. And by the time dessert comes, his clients are toasting him, but his boss is in worse shape than ever. And then comes the punchline in verse 8, which gives us pietists so much trouble. When the boss gets the books, and then he gets the bill, and then he realizes how badly he's been taken, all he can say is, brilliant. This guy is better than I thought. Now, what are you going to do with that story? There is no way around it. Jesus loves the cheater. But why? Why does Jesus hold him up so? The clue is there in verse 8. The master praised the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. Jesus is no pietist. And it doesn't bother him a bit to make a good example out of a bad man. Jesus loves the cheater, not because he cheats. It's clear from how Jesus explains the rest of the parable after verse 10 that he's not for that. No, Jesus loves the cheater because he is so blasted clever. Yes, the guy is a crook, but that is not the point That is just the setup. The point is that this guy is gutsy and bold and brash and creative. And he doesn't just talk, 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 talk. This guy can actually get things done. He executes. And that is what Jesus wants to see in all his disciples, in you and in me. One minute, this guy is being fired for a scam. He's hardly out the door before he's got his next scam going. And Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, you know, we could use a little bit more of that around here. If you think about where we've been in the gospel readings during this Pentecost season, you will see that the road south to Jerusalem has been full of characters like this. Early on, we met Mary Magdalene. She met Jesus in the garden. She's grabbing him, pulling him, clutching him. She won't let him go. Then there's the intruder who's banging on his next-door neighbor's door. Let me in. He won't go away until he gets what he wants. 
And then there was Emma learning to be content with her drawer and staying away from the others. There was the shepherd who lost one sheep, so he left the 99 and he went out to find it. And when he came home, the sheep on his shoulders, there was a great party. And there was the woman who lost one coin, so she turned the house upside down, and when she found it, she woke the neighbors. And there were the Wausau West warriors, also on the road south to Jerusalem, knowing what needed to be done and glorying in the doing of it. All Pentecost season, what is the common theme? The common theme is action. Bold, brash, creative, full blast action. Wise as serpents, says Jesus. And that is exactly the same word that he uses in verse 8 when he says the manager acted wisely, shrewdly. On the road south to Jerusalem, it is not enough just to be bright. The world is filled with bright people this morning who are lying at home on their couches. On the road south to Jerusalem, it is not enough to have a good idea. You could have the cure for cancer, but if you don't roll it out, everybody still dies. On the road south to Jerusalem with Jesus, Face fixed like flint toward the cross. Time is short and there is lots to do. So every moment is a matter of survival and every move is an act of life and death. And the only real option, if you've been gathered in behind Jesus as a disciple, the only real option is full blast. Right now, here we go, action. So yes, even though the big boss gets cheated twice in the same story, the big boss still loves the cheater. Why? For the same reason we love him, because he's clever. Clever enough to get things done. In a sentence, the crook was a great steward. He didn't own anything of his own, but he took what he had been given and he managed it in the present to give himself a secure future. And that is what Jesus praises, that good stewardship, that shrewd action. Now, if that's what Jesus wants from his disciples, if that's what he wants from you and me, then the question is obvious. How do you and I get good at going south? How do we get good at following Jesus? And I think the answer is just as obvious. You get good at this like you get good at anything else. You practice. That's what it says there in verse 9. I tell you, use it. Use everything. Use it all up. I tell you, use it all. On the south road to Jerusalem, use your worldly wealth to gain friends so that when it's gone, when it fails utterly, when there's nothing left, when it's all used up, when you are dead and it is gone, then you will have a secure future and God will welcome you into eternal dwellings. Isn't that great? How do you get to be a good disciple? How do you get to heaven? You spend your money. 
and you spend your time, and you spend yourself, and you spend your influence, you spend everything you've been given, you spend everything in your hands, you spend and spend and spend, you spend it on other people, you spend it, you spend it all until your hands are empty and you've got nothing left. And then you'll have a place in heaven. Boy, that's hard for Lutherans to hear. That sounds like a big dose of works righteousness. I mean, this is the sort of thing that gives us hives. How do you get to heaven? You spend your money, you spend your time, you spend your influence, you spend it now, and then later you'll get something for it? Well, it's not works righteousness. Because for this little exercise to work, you need to spend it. Your money, your time, your influence, everything you've got, you need to spend it all until your hands are empty. You need to spend it till it utterly fails. You need to spend and spend and spend and spend and spend until there's nothing left, until it's all gone, until it doesn't matter, you see. When your hands are empty and it doesn't matter anymore, when you're fully spent and all the distractions are out of the way, when you've joined Mary and the intruder and Emma and the shepherd and the woman and the warriors from Wausau West, when you are on the way with them with great and persistent spiritual maturity, when you rejoice in obedience and boundaries and you're glad to be used, when you are bringing all you've been given to bear, all you've got, everything, money, power, influence, reputation, time, to bear for the kingdom of God, and you are doing that in a way that is brash and shrewd and clever and creative and full blast all the time and there's nothing else, when that becomes your habit, because that is just what Christians do, not because you're trying to earn anything, it is just what disciples do. If you're on the road south, that is what life looks like. When Jesus has his way with you completely, then all is well, because you finally realize that your hands are empty. And it is, as Galatians 2.20 says, not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You finally discover that you don't run by your own steam, that you never have anything to start with. All that you have, you've been given. And Christ wants it all back in spades. And when you see that, you see life is good. Then finally, life is satisfying. Finally, you've been used to do some good. Finally, you've got a life that matters. Finally, you've got a hope and a future. And then community flourishes and we all live together in Eucharistia, in thankfulness, grateful for having been given to, grateful for having been asked, grateful for having been used, grateful for being disciples gathered on the way south, knowing how the story ends in pure grace, Christ on the cross for us, not against us, forgiving us, in love for God and service to our neighbors. That is the Christian life. There is nothing better, and it is what Christ bids for us. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen.